0: welcome in to the fog.net podcast michael swain here after ku squeaked out an 80 to 78 win over texas inside allen Fieldhouse, and that was a game that to me didn't feel like it should have been all that close I felt like KU overall had a really sound offensive game. On the defensive end though, down the stretch, Texas really just started to make some shots and KU had a hard time guarding Texas out to the three-point line. For KU, I was really impressed with how they shot the ball offensively, one of their best shooting performances as a team this season. They shot 53.7% from the field and 50% from three. On top of that, they really did move the ball well, had 14 total assists, and only four turnovers. And they only had four turnovers only in the second half. They didn't turn the ball over at all in the first half. And that was a big improvement from what we saw towards the end of the Baylor game, where KU started to throw away possessions. And even early on in the game, Texas threw a little bit of a press at KU, and I felt like for the most part, they handled it pretty well. There's only one time that I remember that KU actually got trapped out of the press, and they got lucky with uh, a foul of some sort was called. I don't remember specifically what it was, but that bailed them out. But besides that, I really did think that KU handled the press well early on and then rolled with some of the punches that Texas gave them late in the game. I think the biggest area of improvement for KU coming out of this game has to be offensive rebounding again. They got out-rebounded on the offensive glass 14-6 and this comes after being out-rebounded on the offensive glass 24-6 against Baylor. Off of those 14 offensive rebounds, Texas was able to get 17 second-chance points, and that was really a big difference in the game were those second-chance points, again, just like they were against Baylor. And with KU not playing a second big and Texas playing a second big, you could see that as being a problem from the beginning, but KU really didn't let it get to them early on in the game, but I felt like in the second half especially, those second chance points really came back to bite KU. I would also say, though, that KU did a good job of forcing turnovers. They had 15 points off turnovers as a whole and forced Texas into six turnovers, so they were really efficient off those turnovers that they were able to get. I think the biggest area also of improvement for KU outside of that offensive rebounding is the free throw line. KU was 11 of 21 from the free throw line. It's good for 52.4%. And at one point, KU was 5 for 13 from the free throw line. But down the stretch, they went 6 of 8, and that was one of the big reasons why they were able to scrape by with the win here. So really, those are the two biggest areas of improvement were those offensive rebounding and the free throw line. Because besides that, I really did feel like this was one of the best performances KU has had, especially just on the offensive end with their ability just to get you know, really good three-point looks. They were able to make their shots. And again, the Gerald Vick was on fire. But he's not my player of the game. We're going to start with the player of the game, which to me was Marcus Garrett. He was was incredible in the first half. He had a career-high 17 points in 17 first-half minutes. He didn't miss a shot. He went three of three from the three-point line, four of four from inside the arc. I thought he was just Incredible, unstoppable, if you will. He pulled out Euro steps. He was making three pointers. I think that just overall has to be his best offensive performance for KU. But I'd be hard pressed to find a time when he has shot the ball that well. I would say also that his performance in the first half really did keep KU ahead because nobody else had it going. Devon Dotson didn't get off to a great start, Diedrich Lawson didn't get off to a great start. Quinton Grimes made a three early on, but after that really struggled to make an impact. And LeGerald Vick made a three early on, and then after that got going after he had to sit. But we'll get to LeGerald's performance in a little bit. I would also say Marcus Gare was incredible, again, on the defensive end. He had three steals and a block. And I think maybe the most important play of the game that he had that's not going to show up in the box score was when he forced that tie-up to get KU an extra possession late in the game. I think, again, he really does remain to be Bill's self-security blanket. Tonight, he really did score the ball, and that's not something you would expect from him going forward is him to drop a 20 ball. But I really did think that he was my player of the game especially. He finished with 20 points on 8 of 11 shooting, 3 of 4 from 3. But the biggest area improvement for him would have to be one of the areas improvement for KU as a whole, which was free throw shooting. He went 1 of 4 from the line and split a pair at the end of the game. But Texas missed that three at the end, which would have given them the win inside Allen Fieldhouse. And that came because Marcus Garrett missed the one free throw. Moving on, I thought LeGerald Vick really played incredibly well. I thought his shot selection was one of the best that he's had all season. After that Baylor game, I was really interested to see going forward, especially, you know, tonight against Texas, and then this Saturday against West Virginia, what his shot selection looks like. Because you saw it earlier in the season when he was hot, he started to take a lot of those tougher shots, those you know low percentage shots, and that really did tank his percentage and why I think that he struggled. But you saw he took a really tough three to start the game off. He made that one and then came back and shot another tough three, missed that one, and then came back and shot a pull-up in mid-range and missed it. And then Bill Self pulled him and had him sit on the bench for a little bit. But then when he came back in, it looked like an entirely different player. He was getting to the rim and was really looking to attack the lane. And from there, he was you know hitting floaters, just hitting layups. I really, really liked his shot selection, especially in that first half. I think, too, he had four assists. That's not something that you've necessarily seen from him this season, is distributing and creating shots for others. He had the second most assists on the team. Devon Dotson had five, which was the most, but we'll get to his performance again in a little bit. I'd also say that for LeGerald Vick going forward, if there are little stretches where his shot isn't going to fall, I still think, you know, I've mentioned on the podcast before, and I've harped on his shot selection. I think that if KU is going to be successful, LeGerald Vick's going to have to continue to get to the rim and create shots for others also. Moving on to maybe the most Interesting performance, I think. Not the best performance by any means, but one that I thought was fascinating uh, was Diedrich Lawson. He really did struggle early on. Uh, I think he had four points at halftime. And then going into the last five minutes, he only had 10 points. I think he got his 10th point at like the 507, 505 mark. Texas did a really nice job on him. They made him uncomfortable. They double teamed him down low. But then that's when Marcus Garrett started to make shots, was they would pull Marcus Garrett's man at the four and go with two bigs doubling down low. And that did throw Diedrich off, and he said so after the game. He finished with 17 points on 6 of 8 shooting, 5 of 8 from the free throw line, 8 rebounds. He also had three personal fouls, and he sat in the first half for a little bit because of the foul trouble. He didn't get his usual double-double, but I thought that he rebounded the ball a lot better than he did against Baylor. You could see just how aggressive he was. There was a moment in the first half where he went up for a rebound, but it was closer to Ochai Abaji, and he went up for it as well. And Lawson kind of bumped into Abaji, and the ball went out of bounds. Afterwards, Lawson tapped his chest almost as if to say, Oh, that's my bad. You know, I shouldn't have gone for that because I, I think that was Abaji's ball to go for. But that just kind of showed how aggressive Lawson was on the boards early on. And I think that really did con- consistently. That was more of his consistent mindset throughout the game. Again with him, free throws are a big thing. I think in the first half, especially is when you kind of saw it, that's a way that he can get going, but he missed some early on. But I think overall, I would say honestly, it was more of a subpar game for DJ Lawson. to me. You take out kind of him taking over down the stretch when KU went to go force feed him. You know, if you take, you know, that out, I think for the majority, you know, that 35 other minutes. I really was wanting a little bit more from him on the offensive end. But that does have something to do with what Texas did to disrupt him. I also thought on the defensive end, what Bill Self did with Diedrich Lawson was interesting. Texas really went after him early on with the pick and rolls. And early on, Self had him, or the defensive coverage was for Lawson to hedge, and then for the uh, one of the men in the corner to come and help on Lawson's man, while Lawson gets back and recovers. But then in the second half, you saw them switch that a lot more, and Lawson got matched up on some guards. And I didn't feel like they were able to take full advantage of that. I think that he did move his feet pretty well, but that's something that I would have to go back to look for to give more of a a definitive answer on that. So moving on to Devon Dotson, I thought that he did a really good job of distributing the ball and was really aggressive in making the Texas defense collapse. Of his five assists, four of them were to four of them ended up. Of his five assists, four of them resulted in made threes. I think that that's really important. That's something that you saw from him early on in the season was the driving and dishing under the rim. I think now he's being a little bit more eager to pass the ball on when he gets past his man and forces the defense to collapse early on instead of getting up in the air and under the rim and trying to feed it to someone in the corners. Dawson started off one of three from the field but then went 2-for-3 after that, finished with 10 points, and got to the free-throw line on two separate occasions. He went 3-of-4 from the line. I think overall, a solid performance of what you would want from him. I also thought that he rebounded the ball pretty well. He got 5, and I think, again, if is going to continue with this you know, small-ball, four-guard lineup, it's going to be really important for those guards to go in and rebound. I mean, you saw against Baylor, uh, Quentin Grimes had 6 rebounds. Tonight, he didn't rebound the ball as much. He was much more perimeter-centric. I thought tonight, he had two rebounds, and he had five shots. All of them came from three. I thought that was interesting, because that's something that hasn't necessarily been consistently there for him, was the three ball. And I thought that maybe he would get to the rim a little bit more. But still, for him to go two of five from three, 40%, I think that's pretty respectable. I did think that at times, though, he did fade out of the game, and he was a, a tad invisible through stretches. I think it's also important for Grimes to note that down the stretch again, Ojai Abaji was in the game, but then on the final possession, Bill Self went to a five-guard lineup with Abaji and Grimes in the game at the same time without Diedrich Lawson in there. And I think going forward, it's going to be really interesting to see going down the stretch if Bill Self goes for Abaji the more defensive-centric, you could say, just because he moves his feet so well and he's so long and athletic, that he can really stay in front of just about anybody, really one through three, and depending on the four, if it's a stretch four, you could be okay with Baji Gang switched onto him or guarding a four. Moving on, I think that KU's bench was, again, pretty disappointing. Out of Mitch Lightfoot, you got six minutes out of him. The majority of them came in the first half, and this is something to watch for with Mitch Lightfoot's minutes going forward. In the first half, there were two times where he jumped to go block shots that he had no business going to jump and block. This is something that he does, and he did against uh, New Mexico State, and I think this is what happened on the play that Doak got injured for the first time when he twisted his ankle. Mitchell just jumped for these blocks when he really doesn't have all that much of a chance, and then it leaves the paint wide open. And I think tonight you saw that, that when he would jump at these, to go try and block these shots, it would leave the paint open for the offensive rebound for Otsakowski, I thought David McCormick had a really h- interesting performance. You really got the whole David McCormick experience tonight. He had eight minutes. He, his first action in the first half was rough. He got the ball on the low block, tried to get into the middle of the lane, threw up a little jump hook, but it just bricked off the backboard. The ball went over to, it would have been, the right side. And McCormick went after the offensive rebound to try and get his miss, but then barreled into a guy and was called for a foul. I really don't know how many times that's happened this year, but I feel like it's almost every game there's a play where he'll miss a shot or someone will miss a shot and he'll go jumping after the rebound and he'll just barrel into someone. And I think because he is so bouncy and he is so big that it does make it look a lot more rash than it really is. But in the second half, I have really felt like McCormick, for the little time that he was in there, he looked a lot more calm in the second half. He made a little face-up jumper, which I thought was um, an interesting shot. It wasn't the prettiest of shots. But he also chipped in with four rebounds. He really had a nice play, I thought. He got an offensive rebound, got it out to LeGerald Vic. Texas went crashing out. Two guys went out to Vick in the corner. And then McCormick got really good position on the offensive glass. Vic missed it. And McCormick was able to go up and try and get the rebound, but he was fouled. He was pushed in the back. So I did feel like there were some good things that McCormick did, but it's still, he's still so sped up when he's in the game. And you just want him to take a deep breath and slow down because there are times when he is slowed down and you can just see how good he is. I think it's also important to note that KJ Lawson didn't see any action today. He got a, a DNP. I didn't, I don't believe there was any injury there. So it must be a coach's decision. And then Charlie Moore got three minutes in the first half. I thought he did okay. He got to the rim once, dumped it off to Mitch Lightfoot, who didn't, wasn't able to do anything with it. And then he got beat on the defensive end, and I didn't think that he went in after that. So looking forward, KU will go to Morgantown to face a struggling West Virginia team this Saturday. West Virginia is 8-8 eight eight on the season as of Monday night, and 0-4 in Big 12 play. And I'm fairly certain that they will be without Sagaba Kanate, which is a big plus for KU because he would give KU's bigs all sorts of trouble. I mean, you saw it last year. Even when KU had Doke, he still gave KU some trouble. He's just a big dude that can bounce, and he's got some elite shot-blocking capabilities. This would be a good test for KU. Another road game, but this time he gets to go up against the press in a road environment. I think it's going to be a really interesting game to watch to see who Bill Self goes in and who he trusts to give minutes to because this could be a game where if that press does get to KU early, he could really cut down the rotation even more. So that's going to do it for our podcast tonight. As always, stay tuned to Fog.net for all sorts of post game coverage from tonight's Texas game and looking forward to the West Virginia game. You can follow myself on Twitter at mswain97. And you can follow Scott on Twitter at Chasen Scott. With that said, we will talk to you after the West Virginia game.